No, no, but I've got. It's a fucking nightmare. Can you can you hear yeah. yourself? Uh, yeah. the, vo- the, the, the voice you're hearing right now, ladies and gentlemen, is the pitbull of comedy himself, Bobby Slayton. Are, are we on? Oh yeah, yeah we're on. Okay, hey, Bobby, on. can you hear yourself? Well, are you good? Huh? Do you want more well, than I headphones? I can't hear me, but as long as you can hear me. No, what's your? Um, I can well, hear. You got to turn the headphones on. What's that? You got to turn the. I got to turn the headphones on. Well, I showed you my. Other side. Now I sound great. Yeah, now, okay, now that. I, and uh, the sound of Adam Ray's and my voice is that's this is about me be the last time you hear it because we're just going to say hi to Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Bobby's going to go. You know what? First of all, I want to say, you know, when somebody told me the other day, you know what it was? I was on Kevin and Bean on K Rock. So you can hug that mic a little bit more. You were, you were calling in, right? Yeah. What, what yeah, you call yeah. Oh yeah, we were. Yeah, you were on the. You were in the studio before. Yeah, that. And, and and I came in right behind you. I think. Right, and they said, "Have you ever done Adam and uh, Brad's radio show, uh, podcast?" And I said, mm-hmm. "No." They, oh, it's really great. And then I called you up, Brad, and I said, "God, I can't believe he's never asked me to do the podcast." But you want to know something? There are so many comics now. You know, you know, I did the same thing with Mark Maron. I did the same thing with Doug Benson. I did the same thing with all these guys. Oh yeah, you could come do my podcast anytime. Right. I don't think you guys need to call anybody. I shouldn't take it so personally because you must think there's like a million comics. There's a million podcasts. Yeah. And so there's no reason to. I thought, how they were calling me. Nobody ever called me. <laughs> oh, we didn't know you wanted to do it. Yeah. Well, it's, it, to, 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 to be honest, Bobby, we think you're too big for us. No, I'm not too big for anybody. Maybe <laughs> maybe a year ago. Uh, well, I, I, well, I'm too big for you. I was only short joke. Well, a dog is too big for Brad. But, but, uh, Meanwhile, I saw I was making fun of his car. He's got that Mini Cooper on front. Yeah. Which, yeah. But I'm in no position to make fun of that car because no. that car is – I'm parked right behind it. My yeah. car – is a cube, a, a Nissan cube. Now, if you don't know what a cube is, and my wife and I, things are going so bad for mm-hmm. me. I'll tell you about things. My wife and I are not only sharing a car, we're sharing a Nissan cube. And this oh, is the kind of, I, 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 I'm not a macho guy. If I had all the money in the world, if I had Seinfeld money, right. I still wouldn't be driving a $100,000 vet or a Jag. I, I don't need that shit, but I don't know if I'd have a cube. Matter of fact, yesterday, I went to Home Depot, and the Mexicans in the parking lot were asking me if I needed work. That's good night, ladies and gentlemen. And it's those kind of jokes that got me to Las Vegas and back. What kind of a car is a cube? It's exactly what you exactly what the name is. It's a cube. It's a it's like a Chevy Astro van that got hit with the Rick Moranis "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" ray. Wow, like it's down. So it's just it's just it's like two fat kids sharing a snow cone. It's just not going to work for anybody. Two fat kids would fit in it if they they call it a cube because they called it a refrigerator or a mini stove. You nobody would really. It has to have some kind of name that sounds like it might actually do something. But if you ever, if you ever in a hotel room and you need a fridge for the room and you order a fridge, it's that with wheels and uh, <laughs> a half a horsepower. And then, but his car's parked right in front. I said, "Brad, is that your car?" The Mini Cooper. He goes, "Yeah." And that car you think is really small. Oh yeah. But it's not. I mean, no. uh, Penn Gillette, who's like nine feet tall, right. drives one too. I was over at his house. I go, "How do you fit in that?" And it, I, it's really deceptive because when you get in that car, it really has. Yeah, I know uh, Penn Jillette drives one. Alonzo Bowden drives one. Does and, he really? Yeah, and then me. So you have these two giants and then, like, the guy who actually looks like he should be driving yes. a Mini Cooper. Yeah, yes. The guy who's going to fight the giant. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. For the village out. to bring peace to the – now, how long have you been married? Oh, man. We talked about that before. I went on the air. You yeah. know, I, I was going to tell you, I, I've been married 
for 25 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, for a comic to be married that long is that's pretty... Oh, it's bananas. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty impressive. Amazing. Well, you know what it is, too? It's also because once you have a kid, it's like having a dog. Mm-hmm. You, you want to be able to see the kid and raise the kid. You don't want visitation, right? So it makes you stick up. You stick, stick around with the wife a little bit more. And then when you buy a house and you don't want to give this fucking bitch anything, so you kind of hold on to the house. And, so you kind of make things work. It's sort of like being on Gilligan's Island and building shit out of coconut shells. You just make it work. You know? You know you, Tom Hanks. Marriage is like Gilligan's yeah, Island. Marriage is just like Gilligan's yeah, Island. Yeah. Only uh, you don't get to fuck Barry Ann. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, you make do. Tom Hanks, his best friend, becomes a soccer ball. You know, when you're stuck <laughs> in a situation, you know? You know you, Marriage you, is the deserted how, island. Now, when how... Uh, how much of your act became about your marriage once you was it like like right now because I have I'm you know I'm 31 yeah. I have a ton of friends getting married right. I feel like I, unless uh, my friends my friends all my friends that aren't comics are married or right. are about to be right. and so I'm starting to you know and having kids and so I have a lot of material now about just that happening and being the friend of them who's not married with right. kids so how much of that did you also uh, have and then when you got married did you just have a whole well, act about well it's interesting I got married at your age I got married I think I was yeah I was 31 my mm-hmm. wife was 32 mm-hmm. so we weren't these assholes that got married like our parents and grandparents a lot of them got out of high school went right. into the army or got out of college and you know went to medical school or got out of high school and got you know, whatever it was a lot of these people got married at 18 to 22 so yeah, which is right. mind boggling to me because you sure. don't have a life it could be the first person you've had sex with mm-hmm. or even if it's a second or third or whatever, the fact that you just got out of high school, just got out of the military, just got out of a job, just got out of college, and now you got a wife, you don't have one minute your pathetic macho male life where you can just pee on the toilet seat or in the bathtub if you're drunk or sure. spoil your appetite or, or you know, or, 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 or play a video game or do whatever the hell you want when you want to do it and sneak snacks into a movie theater. Just live on the edge and go crazy because you got a fucking broad you got to talk to. First it's your parents, then it's your gym coach, then it's your guidance counselor, then it's your math teacher, now it's a goddamn wife, then you have a kid, and then you got to go to Disneyland, and your whole Life's fucked. I mean, I you least... got to go to Disneyland. You get to go to Disneyland. Well, I, I wasn't. <laughs> or I guess when you have a wife and a kids, it's you have to go, right? Well, you know, it's funny. Disneyland to me, when I was a kid, you know, growing up in New York, you know, Disneyland was, wow, you know, you, you, very few friends of mine. Back you in the you made it if you got to go there? No, I no, mean, there's just... a couple of friends of mine wow, you went to Disneyland. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. See, I remember when Disney was for people first getting color televisions and Disney was in color. There was a whole mystique about Disney, you know? And it, sure. It was great. There was this whole anti Semitic mystique oh, to that it. That was yeah. great. Who, yeah, the fact that he hated yeah, Jews too. I went to Hebrew school. I liked him more for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Jewish. Wait, because he hates like, Jews. Wait, why, wait, why'd you like him more? Just I hate was... these people too. This yeah, is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. a Jew. I don't like to admit because I, I just, because I went to Hebrew school. It was, it made me yeah, me Jews. too. Um, I'm, and people go, I can't be buried in Jewish cemetery because of all, all my ink. And fine. We don't need to be buried next to Jews. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sit next to him in a deli for 30 years. That's <laughs> enough. Give a rat's ass where I'm buried. In fact, my, 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 uh, my wife talked to me about that last week. Out of the blue. No, I mean, oh, I'm having Where do you want to be buried? No, I remember one of my rare. Decent days at home where the creditors aren't calling. Mm-hmm. I don't ever go to some shit all funny bone in Boise, Idaho, or something. And everything's <laughs> fine for the week. And my wife goes, You know, we should, we should talk about getting cremated. And I said, <laughs> I just, I don't know, we're, we're like, not even, we're on our 50s. Well, I, I'm thinking, if you're thinking about doing it now, I'll be more than happy to help you. I'll be more than happy to throw some kerosene on you. Like a Buddhist monk, you want to die now for some war they did in some foreign third world country? Kill yourself. I'll be happy to. Well, you know, well, Wait, now, what, what preceded that? Was it like, what do you want for dinner tonight? Oh, by the way, how do you want to die? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why she said it. I, I and, 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 and is she Jewish too? Or? No, she's just a cunt. Oh, oh. <laughs> 
Am I the first one to say that on this show? <laughs> no, but that might be the greatest line. <laughs> that's the one word. Your, deli- your delivery is oh, real. But you want to know something, though. <laughs> what's that? I called her that the other night. But here's what's really interesting. <laughs> you called her that and you're well, still no, married? But that's the thing. Listen, to you, you guys will appreciate this. Yeah. You'll mm-hmm. appreciate this. Uh, she was acting like a cunt, and I told her that, and she got really mad. Yeah. But she missed the point because she thought I called her a cunt, and I said, you know, you're acting. I said, I was trying sure. to compliment her on her acting abilities. I said to her, <laughs> I said, look, I've been in a lot of movies and TV shows, but I suck. I play this fast-talking Jew. I do the same character. But the way you act, I thought you were really being a cunt. And I said, you know, I work with some. I, I work with Kate Blanchett. If you watch Al Pacino in Scarface yeah. and you really study it, nitpick, you can see him once in a while going out of character. And I said to my wife last night when you acted like a cunt, I mean, it was seamless. It was flawless. Meryl Streep has nothing on you and she was getting more angry and I just kept trying to tell her I'm trying to compliment her what a good actress she was and I said the only reason I want you to stop acting like that is because I'm afraid you're going to get typecast getting back to Gilligan Gilligan this happened we don't need you two guys I can handle the show exactly. I was going to sit back Set you take up, the headphones man. off but, but Gilligan I was talking about I met Bob Denver you know, he died I think oh, no shit. six seven years yeah. ago but I was going to do a voiceover audition they don't call me anymore either we uh, do a lot of family guy uh, I did a lot of voices, but I don't. Which one of the, you did? One of the um, the I, uh, I only played the mafia, a, right? I was on it once. Yeah. No, the... I played actually. You would think a mafia guy would be perfect. Sure. I played a yeah. uh, an Indian chief. That's it, what it was. The when Peter has to go on the uh, uh, the, the spiritual vi- retreat, the vision quest, the vision quest. Because yeah. yeah. I, I could was, was when I saw Family Guy, I was, I was like, I know the episode, but that's right. You know, it's funny because that's that, awesome, right? That, to do that? Yeah, it was not only was it awesome, but it was the first season of the show, and oh, I wow. I've been doing a lot of voice work at the time. Now nobody calls anymore. As a matter of fact, some comedian get a load of this, and I get back to Gilligan, sure. and I get back to Family Guy. Totally, <laughs> okay. I know where we're going. So as you guys yeah. don't talk, I'll remember everything. Yeah, I got, <laughs> we, we got the map. You're driving. Perfect. Okay. All right, so I. Um, I used to do a lot of voiceovers, and about a, six months ago, I went into my agent. I, I never get calls anymore. They always think I'm on the road. I'm not mm-hmm. on the road. I could do podcasts. I could do anything. I'll help you wash your car. I, I, need, a, I need to make some money. So, so I, I, I almost took a gig playing Superman at a kid's birthday party when I was so low on money. So, really? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. If I, if I was in better shape, I, I should play Lois Lane. <laughs> <laughs> He's got better tits. He's better tits. Yeah. Anyway, so, so I'm with this comic. He goes, hey, how come you didn't come in and read for that thing last week? Can I go mm-hmm. one thing? It said, looking for a Bobby Slayton type. What? And I said, yeah. I said, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A Bobby Slayton. I'm still alive. I could still be me if I have to. They were looking for a Bobby Slayton type like I'm dead. I mean, that was a kick in the butt. But, Jesus. Um, what I was going to say was, so about um, um, Family Guy. So I was doing this whenever it came on the air. It must have been always, kind of must be 10 years because I was in my old house. 10, 12 years ago. And... I got this call. Uh, we want you to come in to do this audition for a new animated show. And I was really feeling under the weather. And I was mm-hmm. leaving the next day for some shitty comedy club. Sure. And like, there's any other kind. What does your voice sound like when it's under the weather, by the way? It sounds like this. <laughs> it's like you said. It's me on a good day. It's me on a bad day. It never used it's to be this deep. It's just yelling and the fact that I think Satan's living inside my body. It's, it's, <laughs> you have an incredible I'm, voice, though. Yeah, but it's, it's just one of my many personalities. Yeah. This is my podcast For voice. sure. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> my podcast voice. I have my You own. have a Trader Joe's voice. I have a gay marriage voice. I have <laughs> Just I blend in with anybody. I'm like zelling. So, so um, um, anyway, they called me up and I wasn't feeling well. I was leaving the next day. And they said, yes, this new animated show, Seth MacFarlane. Nobody knew who he was. And mm. they said, well, he really wants to use you in one of the episodes. I said, fine, but I'm not coming. I forget it because never, I never get these things anyway. Sure. And they called back and they said, well, you do it over the phone. I never did a voiceover audition over the phone. And, yeah. I, you know, I was coughing. I was, I was and I was all fucked up. And I, was, and I did the voice. They go, great, you got it. I said, fine. Anyway, I went in to do the part. And the show hadn't been on TV yet. And I go, this is the dumbest show. This show's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> second, before I was doing all those goofy voices and right. I'm doing the Indian Chief. I don't know what the fuck British baby and yeah, stuff like that. So You're like, this will never work. Right. So over the next few 
months, people started saying, have you seen Family Guy? I saw you on Family Guy. It was great. And I finally watched my episode. And I go, okay, this show's okay. And then I'm sitting in a hotel room. I watch another episode. This show's not bad. And then, and then after three or four episodes, I go, this is one of the funniest, greatest animated just shows. Yep. It's up there with The Simpsons. It's great. Mm-hmm. And that's why suddenly Farland's a billionaire, and I'm still playing this shit all funny. <laughs> what do I know about anything? <laughs> Well, yeah, but you went with your instincts, you know, and like. So Gilligan, can I finish? Yeah, 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 exactly. You keep interrupting me. You ruined the whole show. So, so about six, seven years ago, right before he died, I see Bob Denver at an audition, and like the idiot I am, you guys are probably doing the same thing. Hey, Gilligan. Right, and he goes ballistic guy. Yeah. He goes, he's one of those guys that doesn't want to be referred to. Well, I, I don't think, but I think what happened to him is there was a whole generation of kids, including me, who grew up in the '60s. That's all I knew him from. I mean, in the '50s during the golden age of television, he was on Dobie Gillis, and mm-hmm. according to him, he did Shakespeare in the Park, and he did the London Stage, and he did Broadway, and he says to me, "That's all anybody remembers me is Gilligan, Gilligan." Anyway, I try to explain that to my wife that if she keeps acting like a cunt, it's gonna happen. Done. <laughs> think she's gonna walk down the street. Go, well, there's that fucking cunt. I'm gonna go. No, she just plays one on TV. And I said, you're gonna get typecast if you keep playing the same role like Gilligan. You're gonna wind up like Gilligan with a vagina, honey. And I don't want to see that happen to you. Gilligan with a vagina. That could be a great show. That was the spinoff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Now, how long have you been doing comedy for? Oh though? God. Oh my God. Well, for, well, for, my, my, when did you consider yourself to be funny? And you're like, all right, I'm gonna try to make a career out of this was there a moment a couple weeks ago <laughs> no, w- w- when I first did stand up mm-hmm. I was 21 but you know I think Jerry Seinfeld once said the same thing he goes I didn't count the first year but I didn't count it because I only did it once so right. okay. I really started when I was 22 and now I'm 58 so a little bit over 25 years 35 years oh my god um but, you know, when I start, that's why my book's called If You Can't Laugh for Yourself, Make Fun of Other People, My 35 Years in Showbiz Hell. And it's been nothing, but it's been hell. My life's not hell. I mean, it's not right. like I'm going for a liver transplant or kidney dialysis, but as far as showbiz goes, I'm doing worse than you two. <laughs> I'm driving a fucking cube. <laughs> that's an accomplishment. Yeah. But, I mean, but then, so, you, I mean, because you've been in the business 35 years, yeah. and I was, on, I was on your website. You got pictures with uh, Rickles. You got pictures yeah. with, like, just, like, you've met. Everyone in this business, you got pictures hanging out with Robin Williams, and you guys were in like their thirties yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but remember, if you go to any dry cleaner, he has the same pictures because they also go to the car wash and the dry cleaner. <laughs> so every guy with a tattoo parlor has a picture with Motley Crue and Motorhead. Yeah, Everybody's got pictures. Hot dogs. Yeah, but I, you know, I worked with a lot of these guys, and a matter of fact, one of the chapters of my book is called Typhoid Bobby after Typhoid Mary, who never mm-hmm. had typhoid, but she gave it to dozens and dozens of people. She was a carrier. So like me, I'm a carrier of the fame gene, even though I haven't become a big star. But Ray Romano, uh, Judd Apatow, um, um, uh, Roseanne Barr, uh, my God, David Spade, Bill Hicks. Uh, I mean, there's a hundred guys uh, that have opened. Chelsea Handler. Oh, mm-hmm. she... Oh, a horrible woman. Um, <laughs> oh. The story in my book about her. Except I got to watch what I say about her because I heard I can get sued because he likes to sue if you say things even though they're true. No kidding. Um, but anyway, so there's a lot of... And uh, you wonder why you haven't been asked on the show. <laughs> well, you know what? I was... Uh, no, but she opened up for me. And, mm-hmm. and then I heard when I tried to get on the show that the producer said, Bobby, I'm just trying to take over the show. I'm not like that, are my fellas? Not at all. No, no. no, I, mean, no I, mean, is... I mean, I mean, I, I keep looking at you like, when is Bobby going to show up? Oh, right, Brad, I, mean, I forgot what your voice sounded like right. that for a minute. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I just don't like that show and everything she does to the comics on the show. You know, if you're in, okay, let the queen talk, let the queen bitch talk. You've had enough. You know, stop being so funny. Sit down. You know, you know. Uh, yeah, I understand. I understand. Uh, Adam was just on that show, what, 
two weeks ago. Yeah, first time. <laughs> I, there's nothing wrong with doing the show. Yeah, you know, sure. The thing with that show is it's catapulted a lot of comics, good ones and horrible ones. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, into you know the spotlight because people that are going to comedy clubs now are not people my age. They're not people in their fifties. It's kids in their twenties and thirties and forties right. who watch Comedy Central, who basically you know buys comics for fifteen hundred bucks and then gives out specials like Halloween candy to anybody that you know they can. Own. But that's what's putting asses in the seats now. Yeah, not you would crush on that show, by the way. You're so quick and I mean also it would be amazing to see uh, I mean you know at the rate that you speak like battling with Chelsea and the well, people that's why, who, she, that's why she won't have me on right, the show because exactly. she knows that I will do that yeah. and not on purpose but uh, you know I think and you would think she, though you would want to be like well okay this would be a I mean you would help the show by having you on so it's like you know uh, you think that that's why a guy like Jerry Seinfeld you know you look at a guy like him when that show first came out, Jerry knew he wasn't a great actor. And mm-hmm. what did he do? He surrounded himself with great, funny people. Yeah, sure. He's making the money. The show's called Seinfeld. And he's more than happy to let everybody else do the work and, and Be make, the star and, make him yeah. rise. And, and it worked money. beautifully. But there were some, you know, Ray Romano did the same thing. He put his mm-hmm. friends on. And uh, a lot of guys did it. But there are some people that just want the whole spotlight and don't want to, you know. Yeah. I, and I find that to be hard to believe. Like, Jay Leno puts some comics on, but somebody said to me, well, Leno knows one comics being on who are funny than them. I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I, I think no, he, he, put, he, he, put, he put plenty of comics he on. He put plenty of comics on. He yeah. might not put as many as Letterman because the ratings aren't as high. That's a whole different thing. But I think that anybody involved in this business who wants to show to be better would surround themselves with friends and funny people. Right. Now, you had a, uh, you had a gig going on at, what, what was it, the... Hooters Casino? That was a great gig. I didn't realize how great it was. I guess. Okay, because that's what I was going to ask you, because I ran into uh, Frank Caliendo one time, and he had his gig going on right. at the Mon- Monte Carlo. Yeah. Right and I asked him, like, dude, so you're doing Vegas now. Like, you, you don't have to travel a lot. You right. don't, don't got to do anything. And, like, how is it? And Frank looks at me and goes, I've never been more miserable in my entire life. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because that sounds like a dream gig to me. Well, you know, with Frank, what happened was, and I don't know if this to be true. I mean, I, I don't know how packed the show was, but then again, he had a giant theater. And right. by the time Frank got there, the recession mm-hmm. was starting to hit. Vegas was starting to hurt. Yeah, that had true. nothing to do with Frank's talent because he's great. Yeah. I only had a 200-seat showroom to fill. Um, I loved playing Vegas, but I was also at a place – I was at Hooters. And if you've ever been to a Hooters, mm-hmm. all this is is the same shithole except for a couple of tables and a couple of more fat people and you know, <laughs> and a, a few slot machines. It's, but they built a beautiful showroom for me, and they paid mm-hmm. me a salary. And I was the only guy on the Strip. One of the guys of my generation, you know, Penitella, Carrot Top, uh, George Wallace, Rita Rudner, um, everybody was working. Um, I was getting a, a, a paycheck. You know, I was mm-hmm. getting a really nice pay. A lot of those guys were working for two-wall two, two wall and four-wall deals and percentage of the door. But I was getting paid, and they put me up in a beautiful apartment next door. Whoa. So I was right there. But Hooters was – I've never seen an operation like this. It was like the mental patients. It was like one flew of the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> it was like the patients running the institution. I, and they didn't know what they were doing. I mean, they, had, they, they closed a sushi bar right before I got there. That The sushi bar was called the bait shop. Mm-hmm. That's not what you should call it. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, there's a bakery in New York called Hot and Crusty. That's not what they call a, a, a doctor, a gynecologist's office. You know, hot and Crusty is not good for a brothel. It's good for a bakery. You know, there's certain names. The bake shop's great. Yeah, right. A bake shop. Sure. But sushi is a hard enough sell in a place like Hooters. But that's the kind of way. That's the way they were thinking. They had a martini bar that they turned into a showroom for me. Mm-hmm. The martini bar didn't work because nobody goes to Hooters for a martini. You don't right. say. Those people, well, yeah, I, and yeah. I. 
yeah. do the, they go, you know, if they if they get a Coors, you know, it's 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 Coors Light, Miller Light, and coleslaw and titties. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. How was the um show, the shows though? I mean, the the clientele that came in there for were... the most part, it was good, but it was a tough sell anywhere. Vegas, you know, Vegas is not like the old days. First of all, when you played Hooters, you're off the strip, and uh, right in front of you is the Tropicana, mm-hmm. who was offering, I think, three comics for fifteen dollars, and you get a free drink. And my tickets for three times. I did that gig, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, comedy stop at the Trop. Right, Bob, that, uh, Bob Gephardt's right. gig, and that was a horrible enough gig the way it was. But yeah, two that shows was on a the night strip. for yeah. a week. Right, and so you have to even go further off this trip to get to Hooters, and then across <laughs> the street you got Carrot Top. You have Frank Caliendo. At the time, I think Rita Rudner or Roseanne or Louis was across the street in New York, New York, and every week at the MGM was either a fight, Louis Black, Robin Williams, or David Copperfield. So the People go to Vegas, they only go to see one show, and they're not mm-hmm. going to see Bobby Slade, and they're not going to Hooters. So the combination <laughs> was not a good one-two punch at all. But I was there for two years. I had a contract. You and you know what I did? That The other comedy clubs got pissed at me. What's is up? that I overpaid. I don't. I, overpaid is not the right word because I don't think I overpaid them. But I was paying all my openers $1,500 a week for Wednesday through Sunday. Wow. And as you know, that if you were a headliner, you were probably getting that at the most. Yeah. At any one of those comedy clubs. And the... And the, and the um, the improv and the comedy stop and all of them. I can't believe you're paying your open is fifteen hundred. They go, well, you know what? I'm making pretty good coin, and mm-hmm. I, nobody ever took care of the comics, and uh, so I paid them fifteen hundred. And you know, That's I didn't super have super generous. Yeah, of course I mean, I took them all out to dinner. I mean, I did what I had to do because I don't want to be treated like shit by all these other clubs. Um, well, because you know, I mean, in that, in I, I feel like you you came up through the ranks and you probably had some guys at the top oh. treat you like shit when you were coming up. Yeah, well, not treat me like shit so much as didn't really give me the time of day. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but you know what? When I was an opening act, you know, I was I was a house comic at the... Uh, I got a lot of time. People ask me all the time, hey, get good at stand-up. And I don't know how you guys got good. I don't know how you guys, when you start out, where you got a lot of time to do it. But I was the house I'm seeing at the Punchline in San Francisco. It was one of the first comedy clubs. Nice. I'm about going there at the end of July. What's that? I'm going there at the it's end of great, July. Great, it's amazing. still a great club. And about 25, 30 years ago, so I opened up for... Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, wow. and George Wallace, and Michael Batman Keaton, Jesus. you know Bruce Baum, Denny Johnston, Elaine Boozler, you know Leno, a Just, lot of guys. So yeah, they all, to, yeah, yeah they all got it. Yeah, so I got to watch them all. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, back then, you feel like that helps you get better when you're starting know, out to watch. I think it helps. I, I don't think it helps so much if you watch on TV now. I think now. It, it, I don't know if it's easier for a comic or tougher for a comic because there's so many guys doing it mm-hmm. and everything's almost been done, uh-huh. you yeah. know? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, people are just sitting there going like, okay, well, I, I got stuff going on with my girlfriend. Yeah, stuff has been going on with, your, with, com- yeah. with comics' girlfriends for 40 years. I mean, like, it's, it's tough. It's like four dwarfs doing stand-up. And if, <laughs> if the first time it's a short jokes, you better be a good comic. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's like blind comics. It's a dozen of those guys. And that's fine being blind and fat and handicapped. But after that, you just better be funny. Yeah. You know, your disease or your problem problem with your handicap is can work for you as you know as, then, I, as i know yeah as you know. but then, <laughs> then you got to be a funny guy sure you know and i think when i started out there weren't that many people as, well there were a lot of people doing it but not as many mm-hmm. so there was more places you could go san francisco alone the whole bay area and that whole comedy boom in the early 80s yeah, there were about four or five full-time comedy clubs and four or five clubs that had one night gigs so between San Jose and San Francisco and Marin County, you can work every night. Wow. You know, and, 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 then, and then there's a lot of guys like Robin Williams. And uh, Robin had just, I remember when he first got Mork and Mindy. And that was, we were all in our early 20s, I guess. And, um, but that was, was a big deal, yeah? I mean, it was. It was a really big deal. But he was, Robin, you knew right away, was going to be a giant star. I was a doormat. So? 
because just watching him, he was a force of nature. I mean, now you watch, oh, big deal, because there's so many guys you might think. Sure. But, but Robin was, with his voices and his characters, uh, before Mork and Mindy, there was nobody really doing that, the way he was doing it. His dialects. I mean, Jonathan Winters had done it. I'm not saying he was, sure. everything was so, so original, but, but yeah. Robin was really a powerful actor, an improv guy. But then, Well, yeah, tra- he was uh, trained at Juilliard. Yeah, he was. Yeah. You could tell he was a trained actor. Yeah, and, and so there weren't that many comics, especially in the Bay Area, so we really stood out. But a lot of comics didn't want to open up for rock and roll bands, and that's where I got my. Uh, that's where I sort of became the pit bull of comedy. Holy oh, shit! Uh, so what what bands did you end up op- oh, uh, God. opening up for? A lot, a lot. I mean, Dana <laughs> Dana Carvey and Kevin Pollock would open up for all the little Boy Scouts like Pablo Cruz and the Beach Boys, sure. Melissa Manchester. I mean, it's never easy opening for a band. Cause no, because they're not there to see comedy. They're, right? not there to they're, see comedy. they're there to see music. Yeah, yeah, and I don't care if it's Vegas, Diana Ross, or Four Times, whatever. None of it's easy, but it's a lot easier than opening for a punk band like The Stranglers or The Tubes or Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, I opened up for, and there were a lot of 80s pop bands in San Francisco, Eddie Money and Huey Lewis in the News and mm. Greg Kinn. Awesome. I mean, they were, they were, you know, they were the middle of the road pop guys, but still people were drunk and stoned in the audience. They're not there to see a comic. <laughs> no. You know? right. They just kind of want to be there and, and zone out and listen to something. Yeah, and I was a fucking wise ass, so I, I really would push their Did you buttons. attack the audience a little bit? Yeah, and you yeah. know, and when things were going good, I went out of my way to give them shit. Yeah. You know? I mean, the cocaine and the vodka didn't help. Oh, well, actually, <laughs> yeah, maybe it did. It did. No, yeah. it did help. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be so negative. It helped a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it helped a lot. And uh, well, in like, in, you, you asked like, how did me and Adam get funny? I don't know about Adam, but like, well, you not Adam but, so like, much. How yeah, did, yeah. How did you get funny? Uh, well, like, <laughs> <laughs> the jury's still out on this guy. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, like, uh, I I came up doing like Mexican restaurant gigs where you, where you no. just where you just show up and the, the patrons there don't know it's a comedy show. Oh. They're they're oh, trying yeah. to watch the damn Laker game and all, and all of a sudden they shut it off and go, okay, we're going to start the comedy show. Yeah, and, shut it off uh, or keep it on and say, hey, you have the <laughs> choice to watch the game still or listen to the door of tell jokes. <laughs> and see, that, see, that's almost making me cringe because mm-hmm. even though I think we all have our stories, mm-hmm. like the Blues Brothers playing behind the chicken wire and the cowboy ball, but, sure. but, but I actually haven't done that, but that story you just said, that... Yeah. I, I might have had one or two gigs like that, but that is oh, really? really where I mean, opening for bands. I've had is tough. tons of those, but I mean, so, so, so many of those bad bar shows that was literally like where I'm sc- you're screaming over people because there's there's a uh, a section of people listening, right? A giant section near the bar that is just like, hey yeah. man, we came for what yeah, we're doing play, right now. Yeah, they're yeah. playing pool and their right. yeah, and their fun shit. is like uh, over. Uh, powering, you know, you so you're really having to scream at the people who are listening, and, yeah. like, and then they're like, "Why are you screaming at us, man?" Like, like yeah, well, we're listening. I think when I started out in the late seventies, early eighties, comedy since it was a comedy boom, uh, people were more interested in it. So when a club had a comedy night, people mm-hmm. showed up. I think by the time you guys started, and I, it, it happened when I was starting out too. But I, I think I goes, "Hey, you know what? We're not using the stage tonight. These comics right. yeah, want no, twenty dollars. Totally. We have a mic. We have electricity. Yeah, yeah we have how, a bar stool. Yeah, totally. And and so what the hell?" When, when I, you know, and then they would throw you up there, and all you guys. When I say you guys, I mean comics are just desperate to get any kind of stage time, sure. a few bucks to pay for dinner. That you'll take any gig, yeah. And so it does make you a better comic, you know what? And it does thin out the herd. It does weed out the guys. That it should it be does, doing this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because a lot of those rooms will be uh, think that they, you know, we have a mic, we have a stool. And uh, one light, and sometimes that is enough, but more often than not, like those rooms, like I've done a bunch of those, they're just not conducive enough because the place is like, yeah, people will just come, right? Because they don't know how a comedy show should be there. We have one, we have one light. And then, like, I went there one night. He's like, the light's not really working. That's still cool, though, right? I'm like, <laughs> right, right. we got the oh, mic and the stool, though. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> no. dude, no. Like, you gotta, this is already a bar. There's already TVs and, like, everything's right. not yeah. set up for it. it, 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 it it's so amazing how 
and us as comics know know this how easy it is to put on a comedy show in terms of like it's so simple right. of what you need right. and yet how many people fuck it up well it's easy <laughs> to put on a comedy show because well, they look at us as clowns it's right. like you can just get up there and t- like you right. should be able to do it anywhere if you're funny like that's right. you know they- but it's easy to put on a show but it's mm-hmm. not easy well it is easy to put up but put on a really good show sure you know I was playing this this shithole I'll tell you the name of it because I'll never go back to Harvey's up in Portland I mean, oh, hor- a, hor- a horrible club mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's, they give away the whole room nobody's paying for the tickets and they don't really care because they don't pay the comics much money and they just want to sell the food and drinks so mm-hmm. I went up there about 10 years ago and they were starting to use headliners they were, instead of using all these local guys they said well maybe we'll spend a little money and we'll use some bigger names so they, I, I was the first guy they did this experiment with on a month stage and you know that crowd's pretty rowdy there's a crappy little spotlight on me but right next to the stage there's a bigger spotlight on the sandwich board on the specials and I said you know it's hard enough to keep the attention of drunken idiots it's hard <laughs> enough to keep them focused on the stage without a bar out there and a TV in the right. back and this and that and uh, I said you should at least shut the there's more attention given to the specials and the yeah. sandwiches <laughs> than to me. Well, we got to sell food. And I, I try to explain to the guy. I said, by the time I go on, the show's 45 minutes away from being over. They you should know, have they, eaten they, already. They should have eaten by now. Yeah. And they should have ordered. And we don't really want them looking at anything else. But simple little things like that, nobody seems to care or understand. You know? Yeah, because then, cause then essentially you're opening for a Reuben sandwich. Right, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, and it just it's hard. It doesn't matter how good the Reuben sandwich yeah. is. Yeah. Still- <laughs> and that's why it's been 35 years he showed his hell because there's still been, and it still happens. I get these gigs and I go, I just can't believe I'm doing this. You know, they stopped doing this, but the, in, in the Factory Comedy, Comedy Factory Outlet in Baltimore. Oh, I yeah, just played, I did that show. It's a good yeah. club. But years ago, the, when I went there. They, they used to do the three shows on Saturday. Well, I, I stopped doing those. Woo! Those, that, three shows on Saturday is brutal. And you don't yeah. want to complain because there are people now probably listening to you guys who just came home from a, a day in the sure. minefield. Or, yeah, you yeah, know, a sheen yeah, shop yeah, somewhere. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, well, I would kill to do three shows. Yeah, 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 so, yeah But it really, it. And when you're headlining, it's really, really tough. But at the time, uh, when I played that 10 years ago, it was all you can drink. And mm-hmm. I said to the owner, who's a nice guy, I said, really, all you can drink? And he goes, you know, really, I'm in the alcohol business, not the comedy business. Jesus. And, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, That's and, exactly uh, what you want to hear as the comedian. Yeah. yeah, yeah and, great. But all you can drink. And what happened, I, I, this was, I think it was probably, I might have done three shows, because it was a late show Saturday night. There was a woman up front that threw up, threw up up front, and then a guy walked by and slipped in it. And I'm on stage, you know. Were they a comedy duo? Were they like trying to fucking up, up one, one up you? Set up punchline? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to do my show. You don't show. have a banana peel. If I can, you throw up real quick, bitch. I'm trying to do my show, and I look 20 minutes later, and the, this, the same people are still drinking. At least oh, in the God. Old West, they pick these people up by the pants and they throw them through the swinging doors. But they, they just go like nothing wow, happened. Yeah. Oh, it's, they it's have somebody brutal. clean it up and just get him another drink. Brutal. Now uh, you talked about how you like to uh, how you like to help out comics. Uh, I'm about to do the Montreal Comedy Festival with you. Where we're doing. I stopped, I stopped helping comics. Oh, okay. I was, <laughs> well, shit. I was just being nice to you to get on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that, that's going to be. Um, and that's been your show for how long? Well, what's interesting is that have you ever been up there? I'm going up the first time this year. You are. Yeah. Well, what, yeah. Are they, what are they putting you with? New faces, relationships? No, I'm just. Or... I mean, I'm bit, just from this movie that I just did right, and some right. other shit. There, uh, they're just letting me go up and be on shows. My buddy Chris D'Elia is going up, so I'm going to be on a handful of his shows. It's a great. Have you been up there, Brad? Right? No, and that's right. We talked about first that when time. I saw you. Mm-hmm. You, you know what's great about that? And I haven't been to festivals all over the world, but the Montreal Comedy Festival, um, I think, it was a, they were the first ones to do this. I know there's one in Edinburgh now, and yeah. there was one in Aspen for while HBO did one, mm-hmm. but it's so great because. Uh, Montreal's a great town. The mm-hmm. women are yeah, beautiful. I, I keep hearing that. The women are mind-boggling. And 
you know, I mean, I've been to a lot of places. I haven't been around the globe, but in North America, it's one of the... And it's plus it's just summertime, so they're not bundled up. Usually they like, they look like Eskimos. You can't tell if there's a man or a woman or a Yeti under there. <laughs> well, sometimes that's cold. half the fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it gets really cold. Yeah. But the summertime is such a great town. But what's great about the Nasty Show, the show that you and I are doing, mm-hmm. is that um, what they did at the Montreal Comedy Festival, it, it lasted a week is how it started. Now it's expanded to a, uh, they a do month it, now. Well, it's like a month. And they have, uh, yeah, they have all, all, last year it was maybe too big. Hopefully they scaled it back because they had so many – one-man shows and so many performances and in giant theaters. What's great about Montreal, they have more theaters in that town and they have more underground passages to get to the mall and the theaters because in the wintertime, you really can't go outside. People oh, yeah. don't want to be inside. Yeah. It's, it's freezing there. And, and, and so with like a five, six-buck radius, there's all these theaters and last year's there, I think Amy Schumer, Patton Oswald, Lewis Black, Robin Jesus. Williams, and everybody sells, everybody's selling out. But, but for years... What they did was, and they still do it, a week of shows, and they have a relationship show, and a new faces, guys mm-hmm. that are trying to get sitcoms. Ethnic and they have, show. They have and, the ethnic show, yeah. black people, and the gay show, and, you know, and then uh, the bubbling with laughter, and the bar mitzvah show with Jews, and so on. But the nasty show mm-hmm. became, I think Dom Herrera did it first, and it was called The nice. Danger Zone, yeah. about 30, 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> then Kenny Loggins yeah. sued you, and yeah. then it was all that thing. <laughs> it's a danger zone, and it was at midnight. And then the next year, I hosted it, and then they called it The Nasty Show. Mm-hmm. And the show was so popular, they kept adding another show. They kept adding another show. They kept adding another show. And finally, they didn't have room to keep adding shows because the venue that they had it in Club Soda had 500 seats, and they needed it for all these other shows. So for about 15 years, what we did was, maybe even 20 years, we did the Nasty Show, like 17 shows in a week. Two shows every night, three shows a night on the weekends. But you only have to do 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but every show would sell out. And they had us there for a whole week, the week before the festivals. And we'd get great write-ups and uh, newspapers and the uh, magazines. We'd write all about The following week when the industry came up and all the casting people came up and the network people came up, all our reviews were down, the new reviews. It's like our show (laughs) never happened. So what they do now is we're going up, I think we're doing it the same time as part of the festival and then a a week later we're doing a few more shows the next week. Yeah, we're doing, I know I'm there for two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be great. And they got great, great restaurants. It's a great need. There's my groceries. I brought them into your place here so I don't have to leave them in my hot (laughs) car. That's the thing. When you're married 25 years, all I have left is food. I I, I drink, (laughs) I drink wine from Trader Joe's. I can't afford blow. I, and I, I would do blow in a second. People, are you 58? You got high blood pressure. What the fuck do I care? I don't care if I die from blow. I just don't want to walk around and go, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm be on a show with Brad Williams and drive a clown car. You know? Oh, wait, you are. I am driving a clown car. By the way, do you see the color of that car? It's, it's a bright blue it's, cube. Oh, it's, God, it, is it really? It's, it's like teal. It's like it, yeah. when, 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 he, when he drives by, like American Indians just go, hey, that's the color of our jewelry. Yeah, yeah. Well, when my wife and I went together in a few months ago they had gray and they had black and they had white and my wife picked me up at the airport all the time and all these mm-hmm. little cars start looking alike the hundreds sure. the cubes i said let's get this blue because unless the circus went down nobody's driving that car I know nobody's that gonna steal be, it right i know that'll be you that, but, that that and he's driving around west hollywood when you need to stop at lights the gay pride parade forms behind his right. car yeah, yeah they think you're just a part of the parade right. <laughs> now in all honesty like what so 20 plus years of marriage 25 25 years. So what is, I mean, you obviously, there's, you know, you're you're keeping it together. So what what are the um, contributing factors? Alcohol. (laughs) In all seriousness. Um, That's a piece of it. Well, what's kept my, you know, what's kept it together is the fact that uh, my wife for many years had a clothing store in Santa Monica. 
And well, so uh, you're getting free jeans out of this shit. No, it was, it was a woman. It was a woman. <laughs> That'd keep me in it too. Oh, okay. oh it's a woman's clothing store. Well, you know, we all we all have different tastes, Bobby. We don't yeah, judge. Yeah. Which that car I should be wearing women's clothes. <laughs> hey man, um, if I'm low on cash, I'll yeah, wear some mom yeah. jeans just but, to get. But the, what was great was is that when I was home Monday through Wednesday, she would basically get up at ten o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, and go to work. So by the time I got up, she was gone. And then I'd make dinner, and I'd knock off a bottle of wine. And by the time she got home 7, 8 o'clock, we'd eat dinner with a TV show. We'd watch The Sopranos, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or some Dexter, whatever. Mm-hmm. We'd watch a show, and then by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I'd go down to my office and play my drums, jack off. I'd come back up. She's sleeping. i go to sleep. So I wouldn't see And then I'd leave Wednesday or Thursday yeah. to go back on the road. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. see her very much. So yeah. that's the key. I, I, <laughs> of course. I didn't see the broad a couple hours a week. Perfect. Right. You know. right? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, distance I, makes a heart grow fonder, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> distance keeps a marriage together. It makes a heart grow fonder. There. You want to be a that's, a, that's just a nicer way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, it's a nice poetic way of putting it. <laughs> but I think also, if, if you get married, like these kids that you talked about who would come out of college and get married like 21, when, when you're coming out at 21, you don't have enough money to buy a big house or right. or a, a, an apartment with separate rooms. You're in a one-bedroom, right. like one-other-room house, so you constantly see that other person. So that, right. so that can't be good for the relationship. Oh, and, then, and then you see these couples, and I never got this, and I guess – People had to do this in the old days. You know, our grandparents, you know, had these mom and pop stores. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you did that. Where, yeah, you know, work with my grandparents. They ran a little yeah. candy shop or laundry. I mean, a lot of people still do that. A lot yeah. of immigrants. But my God, you go home with this woman? Oh, you got to work all day with this oh, fucking broad? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and then you see guys, this one I never got, when they play golf with their wife. I mean, what? golf. Who's doing that? No. Well, I used to. My, my dad does that. It's insane. That is. Insane. Isn't golf supposed to be the time when a man like can yes. get away and yes. have his thoughts yes. and yes, it's like talk ice- shit about his wife yeah, with his yeah. buddies? Yeah, exactly. And if that doesn't work, you take up drastic sports like ice fishing. <laughs> We're three o'clock in the morning in Montreal. You're, you're That's fishing. all it is, isn't it? No, honey, I love ice fishing. Yeah. I, I, no, I, we, I, no, we don't. I have to get away from this woman. And then you oh see these God. guys with their wives. You know, it's it's just amazing. It's, it's I would a, take up a really obscure sport that like you the, the practice times you could never question. It's like I'm doing the luge. We got to practice. This yeah, four to I'm doing a, four a.m. doing to high a.m. Yeah, there's a lot of couples that do shit that I don't. You know, I mean, not really on a, on, a, on a different note. You know, I remember taking my daughter to Disneyland when she was little, and you'd see couples getting married. That was Disney World in Florida, or it could be L.A. It's one of the honeymoon top honeymoon destinations. Not honeymoon, not, not just honeymoon, but getting married. And there's mm-hmm. like Niagara Falls, Las Vegas, and then people get married at Disneyland. You, you know, if you're not old enough to make the commitment, for you, that to me. I can see an Elvis impersonator marrying you. And right. I can see getting married, you're parachuting out of a plane, doing something crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Disney World, Disney is for children, and you're getting you're not old enough to be married if this is what you're doing. Of course. Also, that that to me is uh, comparable to like the the jumbo screen, like at a sports game. Like oh. just basically like you're basically <laughs> pointing to it and going, and then you know going, hey, look at that. Eh? Like that's fucking. That's the person you want to spend your life with. That's I, fucking romantic. I remember once <laughs> I had my I was with my daughter at Disneyland, and and I made the mistake the first time I took her there. It was the summertime, and I realized when you're four, five, six years old, kids can miss school. I said to my wife, "I'm taking her out of school. Really, she's gonna. I go, what is she gonna miss? You know, it's finger painting. Grade. Yeah, yeah. She's not missing anything. Right. So October, you know, or, or, or you know, Disneyland's always crowded, but I try to get a time when the Europe's not on vacation, Americans are on vacation. It's not sure. Easter. It's not any kind of holiday. And, and I, it would still be a pain in the ass, but I take my kid to school. And she said, Daddy, miss the exit. I go, we're not going to school today. We're going to Disneyland. And I remember one 
Summer, though, is a hot day. And we go to Disneyland. And my kids got to go in Country Bear Jamboree. And there's two guys standing behind us. And I mm-hmm. think, obviously, they were gay. And this, but what was amazing to me is I just, the line was so long. And I kept saying to my daughter, there's so many things we could do. Don't you have to pee or do something? Don't you want a snack or Mickey Mouse ears? And I just couldn't stand the line knowing I'm going to see these singing bears. And about 30 minutes on, I turn around to these two guys who did nothing wrong and go, what the fuck is the matter with you, Dick? And, <laughs> and I think they, because they're gay, but it wasn't that. Nothing yeah, no, no, the no, fact no. that they're adults and they're yeah. waiting in line what, for the singing for animatronic bears. bears. <laughs> don't, you, don't you have a hobby? Can't you, can't you go ice fishing? I know you can't go ice fishing. <laughs> Nothing to be in gay. That just shows you how how desperately guys do want to get away from their wives. It's like we're leaving a house that has a large TV, any channel, there's internet, there's porn, but the wife is there, so we say, fuck it, I'm going to a cabin in 20 below right. weather with a hole in the water. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're doing. You know, the first time I went to Disneyland, though, was with another guy when I just moved out to California, and uh, I'd never been there before, and I was playing a club, not there anymore, the, the Laugh Stop in Newport Beach, and I go, you know, we're not far from Disneyland, I always wanted to go, and for some reason, I hadn't taken LSD in years, and somebody... <laughs> No, that's somehow I got LSD or yeah. mescaline or peyote. Some, yeah, well, fucking Goofy is an yeah, addict, so I'm yeah. sure he slipped some. That too. was it was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. If you're not going to Disneyland, I mean, the last time I went to Disneyland was on a pot brownie. Before that, it was on pot cookies. I mean, right. as an adult, there's I don't know why you're going sober. Like you've seen it as a kid, right? And even if you haven't seen it as a kid. Like, yeah. what you're going to see as an adult isn't going to change your life unless you're... Yeah, it's, 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 unless, well, maybe the two guys you saw at the Country Bear Jamboree maybe were... They, yeah, yeah, were yeah, on see, acid, yeah like, maybe. singing bears on acid? Holy yeah. shit! Yeah. But then what reminded me of that is because I went to see the singing bears, and they were great. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, I, maybe I, I totally misjudged. I now, totally misread. Did you have any sort of moment while you were on LSD at Disneyland? Because for me, on a, a pop run at the time, like, did you, uh, I knew it was time to leave when I told Winnie the Pooh I was having a heart attack. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> to me, I was like, all right, this is probably a good sign to grab my bags and head for the exits. The only thing I remember is seeing the seven dwarfs going, Brad, Brad, <laughs> hey. He didn't even write. He, didn't. he didn't even turn around and talk to me. Well, that motherfucker's station well, character. He doesn't, he doesn't yeah, talk exactly. to me. Well, exactly. Happy doesn't know Bobby Slayton. What's up? <laughs> yeah. sure, <laughs> no, it, it's funny because uh, I actually did used to work at Disneyland. Did you really? What did you do? Uh, I was the bodyguard for the characters. Oh, you really? Bodyguard. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, bodyguard. So, so I'd walk around with the characters and, and you know, I'd... Every five-year-old step out of line, I have to give him a little forearm shiver. But, uh, <laughs> but like, like, for the most part, it was a fun job. It, it sounds great. Yeah, and that, and you have no idea, like, when... He was also the fluffer for the Singing Bears. Well, I... <laughs> Somebody has to. Yes. They need so, a little someone had to get them ready to go on stage, <laughs> and damn it, I've got little hands. So, <laughs> But it was, it was always interesting because there's something about Disneyland where people just have this idea of magic... Like yeah, where, it's an escape. Yeah, so where I'm like doing stuff with Win, with Win the Pooh, and I'm like taking pictures, and then these parents like walk walk up to me, and like one leans down and goes, "I don't know how they got you in that costume, but that is unbelievable." Really? And it's like it's it's called a genetic disorder, bitch. Wow, really? <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. Like, really? You think Disney magic is like like finding some tiny, tiny, tiny Chinese guy sticking him in a tiny, tiny white guy costume, and then like parading him out there? No, yeah. they don't do that. <laughs> well, thanks for running that yeah. for me, Brad. Another Disney myth shot to hell. You know, there's there's two great books. Have you read those books, Mouse Tales, about behind the scenes? No, about no. crap about the the the. Uh 
the, the, the deaths there and why oh, they yeah. got into some of the rides. Yeah, and yeah, some yeah, of the yeah. people got all the kind of things that went on. And, um, <laughs> well, yeah, there was a de- – I think a kid fell off like the Matterhorn, I think, a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, but there's always – but there's more – there's cooler stories than kids dying. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's their opener. Yeah, I mean, when Chip and Dale gang-banged that seven-year-old, I mean, that was much more exciting. They had like real burrows or donkeys, and they would actually bid a couple of kids on one of the gold mining things when, the, when oh, really? they first opened. I think <laughs> – Misfired and backfired and donkeys they, bit kids. But they had, they had some donkeys, or they had something in the original rides. You know, they they've transformed them over the years, of yeah. course, to make mm-hmm. them more. Maybe that's why they went to animatronics. They had real, actual singing donkeys, yeah. and yeah. they, had some, they got know. disgruntled over the wages. And yeah, they're gonna bite know. some kids if you don't fucking before pay my time. Yeah, you know, before <laughs> yeah, my time. Strikes. Uh, the, what's also like people when they go to Disneyland, they just have this expectation of the perk vacation. Uh, I'd be out with just the characters, and then. People literally form lines to nowhere, right? Because right. like five people would be standing next to each other, and then six people would be standing in line. Oh, yeah. and seven people. You're not making any decisions for yourself at that place. No, you're, you're seeing a group, and you're like, oh, that must be what we should do. Yeah, and then like, and then, like the family stops seeing their ice cream. They start walking out. Now it's obvious that the line is not a line, and then they get mad at me because like, why the fuck didn't you tell me I was standing in not a dead line? Like, yeah, what is this ride? Did you see they just raised the prices at Disney World? I was just playing the you Orlando did? Improv, yeah. and and uh, I just looked. There was some ad where a family of four could go and uh, stay at one of the Disneyland hotels. It's like thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, how people can. It's robbery. Know, it really is horrendous. <laughs> it's awful. It's, well, it's, I mean, because you're not getting the experience. Like, whatever you're paying for. I mean, I guess it's you. People, I think whatever they're going to get uh, out of it is going to For $1,000 for the princess, it should blow me. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, I should have Snow White. Sure. And, and by the way, that would be an attraction. Me fucking Snow White? Holy shit. A lot of people would pay to see that. I'd I pay would, more have, than $1,000. Have you ever been to Orlando? It's a horrible town on top of that. Because it's all, there's like five theme parks. Wait, is that, that's for Disney World. Okay, I've been to Disney World. It's, it's yeah. theme parks okay. and it's swamps. Because, you know, Disney went in there. They bought all the land. Never told anybody what they were going to do. You know that story, right? And they got it. No. But well, Orlando, whenever they opened it, what was it, 25, yeah. 30 years ago, whatever, uh, it was all swamp land. Orlando, there was nothing there. But if you broke it down, churches and horrible strip malls and pawn shops and that, you know, Florida's like that. Basically, they have all these depressing strip malls where there's a pawn shop, a liquor store, and an adult bookstore. So it's like this: you, you can go in, you you can pawn your stuff, you can jack off in the car, get some liquor, and then buy a gun and shoot yourself in the head. It's like, it's like a one-stop suicide center. That's the entire Florida: strip malls of, of gun stores, pawn shops, liquor stores, and anyway, that's all in the So Disney went in and said they didn't say who they were, and they bought all the property up, and then. And of course, these landowners were pissed when they found out. Yeah. You know, so after Disney, then it's MGM. But anyway, I'm staying in a hotel. I'm playing the Orlando Improv. Nice club. But right next to where I am, it's helicopter rides. And I, I don't want to go in a helicopter. The guy comes to my show and goes, Bobby, how about a helicopter ride? This is also a fortune. It's like you know, $100 a person for an hour. And you, you get in a helicopter and to see swamps, theme parks. <laughs> More swamps, mini mall. What are they building over there? Another theme park, another swamp, another mm-hmm. bridge. And this is what you're paying for to look at this shit. If you don't actually want to go to this shit, you look at it from up in the sky to see what you can see. Which still- is somehow, yes, more magical. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get back to me. Way off track. When did you decide to move from, you said you were born in New York. Yeah. And then did, did, did you make that move to Los Angeles to pursue comedy? No, you know what I, yeah, no, no. You know what I did? It's interesting because there's a chapter in my book called Go. West, young man. That's original. Okay. I, when I was a teenager, you know, I always wanted to go to California because 
in the late 60s, I'd always heard about San Francisco. You know, it was, uh, you know, the Grateful Dead, the Haight-Ashbury. Sure. And, you know, by 1969, when I was 14 years old, started smoking dope, and then Easy Rider came out around mm-hmm. that time. Dennis Hopper you know? movie, best yeah. movie, yeah. And Peter Fonda. And they're driving across Captain America. You know, they're driving across America, and they're selling dope, and they finance their trip on motorcycles. I'm a Jew. I wanted to go by car. Because <laughs> yeah, Air conditioning yeah, is a little yeah, better. Yeah, 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 there's two things that kill Jews. It's not Jews. very Mo- safe on the motorcycle. Well, motorcycles are Nazis. These are things Jews <laughs> like to stay away from. <laughs> so I, I always want to go to California. And then when, you know, my, my friends were little and they went to Hollywood and they, you know, they saw Mickey Rooney's house and then they went to Disneyland. I'm going, I got I to get out to, to California. So I, when I was 20, 20, I drove cross country with a lunatic friend of mine. Had no, never even thought about doing stand-up comedy. You got to remember back then, you know, like 1975, I'd seen plenty of stand-up comics on, you know, the Johnny Carson show and Ed Sullivan and Merv Griffin. I had seen Leno, but I'd seen the old guys, you know, Alan King and, you know, Shecky Green and even oh, David Sh- Brenner. Shecky Green, and oh I my mean, God. There were a lot of great comics, but, yeah. you know, I think Billy Crystal and Robert Klein were starting to do it when I, you know, when I was a kid and George Carlin, but never thought about doing it. You know, never because a lot of guys, you two probably also maybe thought, when, hey, I want to be a comic when I grow up. Anyway, I went out to L.A. and uh, it was horrible, yeah, you know. I love L.A. I love it. Oh, I hate that song, but I hate L.A. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, not, it's not what you think it's going to be as soon as you get here. No, it was what little, did you think it was going to be? You know, you know, if you go to the beach and you go to Malibu, it's what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And you go to Hollywood Boulevard, back then even it was kind of sleazy and disappointing. You could see there were remnants of what it was before they rebuilt the Capitan Theater. And they, yeah. Before they fixed the whole place up, you know, it was pretty depressing. But, but driving up the coast was magnificent. I mean, if you guys ever drive up between yeah. L.A. and San Francisco. Oh, yeah, sure. when, I got, when I got to San Francisco, the hippie thing was ending. The gay thing was was kind of starting. It was the gay hippie kind of transition <laughs> phase. Same was, same clothes. I think gay yeah. hippies playing at the <laughs> yeah. Tuberon. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, it was a great uh, it was a great town. And 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 then when I was twenty one, somebody said to me, "You ever tried to do stand up comedy?" I said, "No." And there was a club called the Holy City Zoo, and I went in. And I said, I should try this. I was a bike messenger downtown, 21 years old. And wow. I put together five minutes. And being a bike messenger in San Francisco was not an easy job. Because no, there's like a lot hills. of hills. Yeah, yeah. hills there. Holy yeah. Crap. And I was making minimum wage. And I just decided I'm going to try stand-up comedy. And, and I still have the tape. I still oh, have the shit. audio tape. Wow. It's a cassette. I have it somewhere, which I can probably never play anyway, because I don't know anybody who has a cassette player. Um, <laughs> I still got my My First Sony if you want to borrow it. Yeah, really? I don't think I want to hear the set again. Um, what was it? What was the, do you remember like the first, like some of those? Yeah, it was pretty bad. But, um, yeah, but uh, you know, I look what I was doing after five years. Now it's pretty bad, too. I mean, it's worse than what you're doing now. That's how bad it was. Bad out of it. But, you, but, but like, what, do you remember like what, like what world were you writing from? Like what was? I was talking about stuff like, uh, I remember I had a joke about, uh, about Frankenstein, about how they brought a Frankenstein. And, uh, you know, in the castle, he blew up the castle at the end. And the monster goes, we belong dead. And he pulls the switch to blow up the castle. I go, who builds homes like this anymore? On, off, blow up castle. Is, it, <laughs> is there a switch next to the... I was actually kind of funny. Yeah, yeah but, I like that. But, but, but I was... The, if you're a good comic, you can make the premise funny. But I wasn't sure. a good comic. As you know, if I took Jerry Seinfeld's act, who's one of the greatest comics I've ever seen. But mm-hmm. if you took his act and you put it on paper and you read it, you'd probably say after stuff, it's not that funny. Mm-hmm. You know, even Jay Leno, who's a joke machine, it's attitude, it's delivery, yeah. it's the whole thing. I'm telling you, everything. I don't have to tell yeah. you. Do you think that's consistent with everybody? Um, well, no, because again, you look at a guy like Rodney Dangerfield. His jokes are just great. Right. His deliverance and cadence and look made him funnier. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily all Seinfeld's material is like that, but it's, it's, it's no, my, totally. a, lot, a lot of my stuff is pure attitude. It's not 
really, if you look at it on paper, that's right. I'm sure this happened to both of you guys. There's nothing worse. Well, there's a lot of things worse, but <laughs> when you get a review and they liked you, oh, this mm-hmm. guy Adam Ray is brilliant, he's a great comic, and they quote one of your jokes. And someone's reading, no, this guy sucks. Because if they yeah, only take, yeah, they they're reading the joke. Right. Or they change a word. Right. Uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of writers that I know who've given me great reviews over the years, and they'll quote one of my jokes, and it's a great joke, but if they change one word, oh, God. it's just, and Seinfeld was how, a master that it just screws up the whole joke. It doesn't, how, how, how do people get away with doing that, by the way? Like, they're not comics. They don't do it. They're, yeah. I mean, I'm saying they like your act. They think you're really funny. Mm-hmm. But when they quote, or even if they take an excerpt from something to try to use to, like, you know, say, he's great, like this little piece, right? here oh cool you took like one phrase or sentence from yeah. a whole uh, five yeah. minute bit i mean yeah. i mean i used to have this one of my famous bits you know was uh this chinese waiter routine and uh oh, which this you is know, great it's, it's well, so i'm not gonna sit and do the whole routine sure sure but, but somebody told me over this you ever hear buddy hackett's famous he had a famous chinese waiter routine john panetta's a famous chinese waiter routine mm-hmm. but the bit was basically about how chinese waiters just agree with everything you say you know is it spicy pork oh you came my friend yeah spicy yeah yeah and they just that's all they ever do you know, they just, uh, you, you know, your head's on fire. Yeah, head on fire. Okay, my friend. They go, oh, are there crayons in this? Yeah, you have crayon, everything. So I remember a writer quoting this. Are there crayons in it? Yes, yes, there are crayons in it. And what that doesn't mean. <laughs> Without the Chinese voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 you, if you say, now insert Chinese voice here. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, uh, for the Montreal Comedy Festival, they're, they're having me write out my entire set oh. for the HBO thing. Oh, you're doing HBO thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're ha- like, and, they, and you write out every word, and I'm reading my act back going, I'm not very fucking funny. No, you know what? I, I did that last year for them. Yeah. And I just, I don't do a lot of those shows because I don't like working in that five minute constraint where, you know, what's your opening joke? What's your... The last time I did it was on Jimmy Fallon's show last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wrote down the material. And, you know, uh, who was the guy? I forgot who was the uh, guy that was um, the, the segment producer. But he was smart enough that he worked with enough comics where he got it. Right. And I said, let me just call you up. And we'll go over it together. Sure. And he said, I don't need to. I get it. But mm-hmm. I'm reading it. I'm going, this just doesn't look funny because, <laughs> you know, unless you do the voice. and you see Yeah, the, the inflection, the, bo- the, the body movements, yeah. everything. So all, yeah. all, all that comes everything. together. That's why I don't understand how people, and I, I'm not saying they can't do it, but mm-hmm. – um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I guess you, we've all learned to become better comics, and, and I've learned to become a better comic on my own. You know, it's like playing guitar or karate. People can teach you, and yep. then you've got to practice. Yep. But I wonder how much people can teach you. And uh, There's guys that give classes, mm-hmm. and people have told me they've taken classes, and they've gotten better from the classes, but I wonder how much you can actually learn from that if you don't have it you know, inside you to do stand-up. I, I, I think one of the things that the classes do is they force – you to get up on stage and do it. I mean, that, I mean, that's yeah, no, that's ha- that's half the thing is just is, doing it. That is half the thing, yeah. and you do want to hear the criticism, sure. Because you know, you know, one thing I can never do, and I'd be like, you ever stand in front of a mirror and do it? No, it's like no. acting. No, no, stand in front of a mirror. <laughs> that, to me, that would be the last thing. I, I'd rather stand up in the mirror and jerk off right. than do my act right, in right. the damn mirror. But it, I don't see where that would help you because you're just looking at you. That's right. not what you're going to see when you're on stage. There's no reaction to that. Right. I'll tell you what I did learn more than and I tell young comics. The only thing that I really, the biggest thing that ever helped me was after I've been doing stand-up for a couple of years, I did my first TV show. And uh, when I saw myself on TV, I saw how bad I was, hunched over and talking too fast and watching yourself. You talking too fast? Faster than I... Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't I, believe that. No, that's how people say that once in a while. Yes. <laughs> but I, mean, I used to really talk. 
fast. And, Holy crap. I mean, uh, like the damn micro Early on, because, wait, because you were just trying to get to the joke. I mean, I just talked really fast when I first started. And I think a lot of it was nervousness Nerve. and being like, I just want to get to the funny part. But then, and, you know, and also being uncomfortable with silence and not uh, understanding very, the power yeah. of pausing. And Yeah, I'm very uncomfortable with silence. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable right now. Now, would five seconds of silence just destroy you right now? Freaking out. No, you know, you know, you know what it is? <laughs> is that when I started out, I had to talk over all these bands, and I was the right. MC, and only had five oh, minutes. Oh shit! There it is. That's... And there was being an MC. The cocaine didn't help. The nerves. The whole. It was a whole package deal, you know. And now I, I but I just naturally talk so fast that I just, I think I, I think I'm just, uh, it's just me. When, when was was there a moment that you could look back and say this was the break or the thing that no. made that made you go from uh, this is just kind of a hobby to holy shit I'm actually doing this I'm a I'm a comedian. You know what I think that the time you say I'm really a comedian is when you mm-hmm. don't have a day job. You know yeah. when you don't when you make it a living at it. Yeah. You know I mean uh, I mean I shouldn't say that because a lot of professional actors that have to wait tables to put food on their own table and pay bills and they're still professionals but I. I, I think that I really felt that I was a comedian when I did not have to have a day job. I used to work at nightclubs. There was a nightclub called The Boarding House in San Francisco the first time I saw Robin. And, uh, you know, it was really a thrill for me. It was, uh, I, I just started doing stand-up comedy. And David Johansson from the New York Dolls, who I loved with a passion, they were playing the David Johansson group. And Sandra Bernhardt was opening up for them. And I really wanted to open up for the David Johansson group. I just started doing stand-up. And they... Uh, I watched them the first night, and Sandra kind of died. She didn't do well. Mm-hmm. And the next night, I come to work, and they said they just fired Sandra Bernard, or maybe she quit. I don't know. But they want you to go up and open up for the Dave Johansson. Oh, but I was a young comic. <laughs> oh, wow. So I ran home. I lived mm-hmm. about five blocks away to get my props. I had props. <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> I had props. Not carrot. Bobby not, Slayton, the prop comic. Not carrot tops. I, I can't go on without my water gun. Yes, <laughs> uh, what I have. Is that your carrot top impression? No, that was uh, that was uh, Dom Herrera from Seinfeld. Oh gosh, gotcha. oh, I can't yeah. go on without oh, my yeah, water yeah, gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here's what I had. I had a cap pistol, and I remember what that joke was for. Okay. But I had a giant fly taped to the inside of my jacket. Oh, my God. And I did a scene for the fly. Help me, help me. You know, for the fly. The right, right, right. I, I don't remember. That. There had to be something funnier there. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. No, that sounds like it was it. I, it does sound like yeah. it. And you might be right. <laughs> but here was, here was I, I, had a, okay, I had a copy of a Leave it to Beaver TV guide, a real TV guide from the 1960s. And I opened up the TV guide. And I, I don't remember what I said. So I, I had a joke about Leave it to Beaver. I had, it was when Test Tube Babies first came out. And I had a test tube in my pocket. It was, it was one of my big jokes. That's why I needed my props. Okay. I said, you know, I couldn't find a babysitter tonight. I had to bring my kid. And I took it to Test Tube. Okay. And I said, and as long as I brought the kid, I had to bring the twins. I had two test tubes taped together. <laughs> Watch out, Carrot Top. Look out, Rip Taylor. We Move got up. this. Go Bobby Slayton's yeah. on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my big ending, and I don't know why I did this, because nobody could see it, but it killed all the time. I talked about how, you know, stamps, this is right when they started putting people on stamps. You know, mm-hmm. it was always presidents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the, the Lincoln Memorial. Presidents, Who was the first one they Davey put on? Crockett, that wasn't like, uh, uh, the first person they put on a stamp that wasn't a It was president. like an entertainment figure. Oh, God, I remember Might have been Elvis. That. Elvis? No, no, way right. before that. They, they had all poets on, and they had all kinds of doctors Martin Luther on. King. Okay, yeah, they had Martin Luther King. But they, now they have, you know, all kinds of people. Bad, dead yeah, basketball they have Darius Rucker and, from Hootie and the Blowfish. And it's, <laughs> just, it's not really a... You have to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> Why they don't do some serial killers, I don't know. I'd love to see Son of, well, Son of Sam's alive. Night Stalker, Manson, you can't have, he's still alive. But they should make an exception. They should. Yeah. Yeah. Or Bear Guy, Hitler, Mussolini. But anyway, 
uh, I told you about stamps. It would put anybody on a stamp. And I pulled out a stamp. I still have it. And it said, America celebrates discovery of the PAP test. And it was a 15-cent stamp. That's how much stamps ma- letters cost to mail those days. The PAP test, you know. And there was a, the doctor, whoever discovered the vaccine, right. with a microscope. And I said, a PAP test stamp? I couldn't bring myself to lick this and put it on an envelope. <laughs> that was Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. If you thought I could top the, the test tubes, I did it right there. And would it, you open the jacket with the fly one more time as you're walking off stage? <laughs> it was it was, oh, and, oh, it's so embarrassing. Here, here's, how, here's how much times have changed. I, I, I typed first celebrity on stamp into Google right now just right. to try, just try right. to get it. There's nothing but pictures of tramp stamps. Just, oh, I just really? like to say nothing but tattoos and like <laughs> my daughter's like My daughter's got one of those. I brought her to get one when she was 15. I'm <laughs> I, I got this one. Yeah, and she got her little tramp stamp. She's now in a band. My daughter's going to be big. I, 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 saw, I saw on the internet she's in the... Is she in the Pussycat Dolls? Well, she was a Pussycat Doll. They just changed the name because okay. I think the Pussycat Doll a franchise was getting a little old. Mm-hmm. So the woman who did the Pussycat Dolls, Robin Anton, um, they're now called Girl, G-R-L. But they're managed by Britney Spears' manager. Oh, so, That's good. You know, and this guy, Dr. Luke and Max Martin, I guess, are writing all the songs for all the pop stars. So they're, he, they're writing for the girls. So if you buy Britney Spears' new record, you get her song free. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Well, now, now you being in the entertainment industry, when your daughter comes to you and says, I want to be a singer, huh. what's, what's your reaction? I'll tell you a funny story. This, yeah. is, this is also in my book. This is a great story. Yeah, where can people get your book, by the way? Not out yet. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Perfect advertising, Bobby. Perfect. I just like to tease people. Yeah, you got to. So, That's great. When my daughter was nine, mm-hmm. I was on the Tom Arnold show on the WB Network. Okay. And it was Tom Arnold, I think Michael Rosenberg, who played Lex Luthor and Superman. It was Ed McMahon, who's big Johnny Carson's yeah. sidekick. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, pretty good cast. Uh, you know, Gene Simmons' wife, what's her name? The oh, Hulk. Shannon Tweed. Shannon Tweed. Yeah. And uh, it was a really good cast. So we taped at Universal Studios. And every Friday when we taped the show, my daughter would come down and she'd hang out backstage. And she became friends with the two little girls who were on the show. Mm-hmm. And my daughter said to me, Daddy, I really want to be an actress. And my wife didn't want to get her into it. No, you know? sure. And I said, you know what? Let's get her an agent. She's gonna, not going to get anything. She's a very talented little girl, but she'll get out of her system. If she gets something, fine. She has money for college and a car. She doesn't get anything. Back to school. Right. Mm-hmm. So we got a really great agent. I brought my daughter to see these agents. And they said, Bobby, look, we're not going to bullshit you. We think your kid's really good. You know how many parents come to us? We think your kid's going to make it. So three weeks later, she gets an animated series. Wow. Uh, three weeks? Yeah. We, we, Holy we, shit. We, I've been trying for eight years. <laughs> oh, my God. A 15-episode MGM series called Lionhearts, where Perry Gilpin is her mother and William Macy is her father. It's about a family of lions. Okay, so she gets Holy 15 crap. of those. Right. Okay, so 15 of those. A couple of weeks later, she auditions for a new ABC sitcom called Brother's Keeper. And they bring her in. I know you guys have read for stuff before. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know what it's like. It's horrible. Yeah. You know, you go in. Then they put you on tape. Then you go back for the casting director. Then you go for the producer. They assistant the producer, the director. And then they come back to the network. And they can bring you back four or five times. My, yeah. da- my daughter went in seven times. Seven times because she never acted before. And it was a major ABC series. Okay. So she gets the part. And uh, here's the great part. Not only did she get the part of the ABC series, uh, guaranteed nine episodes out of 12, 13, whatever they do now. The Tom Arnold show goes off the air a few weeks later. Her show goes out to the same set, 
at Universal Studios as wow. the Tom Arnold Show. But since I was only a recurring character on the Tom Arnold Show, my dressing room was one of those little bathrooms with a yeah. door out mm-hmm. in the parking lot with the cleaning supplies. <laughs> my daughter right next to the set has oh, a Jesus. giant dressing room with a bedroom, oh, a television, a shower, <laughs> and a goddamn parking space. She's not. She just parks her Razor scooter right there. <laughs> Yeah, Natasha's like Parker's man. So, oh my yeah, God. and I, it was great. And I, I it's know, great, right? Yeah, you're not. Oh, no, no, I was thrilled to death. About and it, they yeah. loved her on the set. And the directors, the producers, Bobby, how long has your daughter been acting? I go, a couple of weeks. Listen, she'd never done anything before. Uh, it's really, she was really, really terrific. But what was great for me is every Friday when they taped the show, if I could, I would go to the taping if I wasn't on the road. And after the dress rehearsal and dinner, she'd have an hour off. So we'd take a walk through Universal Studios because mm-hmm. all the, the tram rides had stopped, the tours had stopped. We'd take a ride. We'd go over to the Norman Bates House. To be oh, sit psycho. on the yeah. psycho steps above the Bates Motel mm. eating ice cream and going over her lines. And then if security kicked us out, we'd walk down to Transylvania to the Frankenstein, yeah. you know, this little fountain. Yeah, yeah. I said to my kid, you know, someday you can appreciate this. She said, no, I love it now. I had to think about a video camera. I said, that's what they decreed from the Black Lagoon, Mikhail's Navy. So awesome. It was great. It wow. was great. And that, wow. And now look at her now, right? That was pretty cool. Now she's a, like her mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Call I don't back. Know. Oh my God! Uh, if 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 you, if you guys listening have never seen Bobby Slayton live, there's a reason why they call him the pit bull of comedy because you are just relentless. Yeah, it, you're it, unreal, it, man. It never stops. And if, if if you didn't like whatever joke you just said, wait 15 seconds. There's another joke coming. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Why, that's why you're gonna love Montreal because the the nasty show is. Mm-hmm. A show. And by the way, every comic thinks you got to be really dirty. It's not about being dirty, being blue. It's just about saying whatever you want to say from right. the N word to the F word to dis- anything as long as it's funny. And mm-hmm. it's more to me, not the dirty show. Why are you doing the dirty show this year? To me, it's more it's it's freedom to you know because. As you know, the podcast was great about it. You do radio now. Everybody's so uptight from Paula Dean to the president leaving his mic on. To all, they, that's a homophobic slur. And he right. said the F-word. Use the N-word. Mm-hmm. Up there, you do whatever you want. And if and then, you know, your excuse is, hey, you don't like that word? It's the nasty show. Go see the relationship show. Go see that idiot Adam Ray and <laughs> play the, playing basketball show. And, Talking about his new movie because he has no act show in it. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing. That's it. See, no, that's the show. See, that's why I'm the pimple. That's the I, show. I even attack my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's saying we're up, Bobby. No, no, no. Perfect. Uh, can, 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 our, can, our, can our listeners find you on Twitter or your yeah, Twitter web, pit, website? Pitbull of comedy. Nobody cares. I, every time I say something, I get four more, four more followers. I lose four more. You know, I, I try so But I'm trying to build it up now because I'm, I, I have my book coming out soon. And I you want got to, yeah. But, but again, you'll love Montreal. What's really tough, though, is I've done it so many times. Every year I got to come up with new stuff. And, it's really I, – I, I have to set a bar for myself. You can do whatever you want. They'll love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just great. I mean, and the fact that we're playing a theater and it's, it's 500 people to show and they're just there to laugh and have a great time. It's the best show in the festival, yeah. You know what? There's a lot of great shows. Now, now, now they've set the bar really high, but it's the con- most consistent show yeah, at the festival. It's awesome. You know, every, but you know what's funny? I've been doing it for over 20 years, and usually – not usually, but sometimes there's just one guy or one gal – it just doesn't cut it, you know. It won't be you. As you're, as, as it's not going to be Brad. I don't know if you know, but this motherfucker has a dance. <laughs> also, you just running out on stage is going to make people go. Yeah, nice. you know? gonna, I, 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 I didn't say that to, to me. You know? No, I know, man. I know. What, what's one? It's just a comic that I said, where did you see this guy? 
But everybody does good. I mean, Lisa Lampanelli got a standing ovation. Unfortunately, your friend Carlos Mencia got a standing ovation. <laughs> um, but then again, he was doing everybody else's stuff. But that, <laughs> you know. yeah, I, I had to say that. It's okay. Um, no, Carlos, great performer. Yeah. Good God bless me. <laughs> uh, Bob, Bobby Slayton, uh, he's going to be live on stage with me at the Montreal Comedy Festival July 16th through the, I think the 28th. We're going to be there. Yeah. It's nuts. So, uh, also, I mean, you know. Yeah, we have to go should. to Moisha's Steakhouse for the best, one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life. I will go there with you. I will sit and enjoy my steak and not say a word the entire dinner. <laughs> no, actually, actually, when I was sitting there, I, I, you know, when, when I'm not working or performing or on a yeah. podcast, I don't talk much. Okay. And I, I'm very quiet. Okay. Yeah. We'll see. Well, uh, Adam, plug, uh, you, well, you got stuff. You, you got all these tour dates on here, Bob. You want to plug any of these? What? Uh, what? On your website. You got like your fucking no, calendar. This is from top to bottom. Uh, it's filled. Just go to bobbyslate.com. I'm working more than I ever have making a third of the money. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Perfect. It's a great yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, Adam uh, Ray, plug your stuff. Adam Ray Comedy uh, for Twitter. Uh, go see the heat. AdamRayTV.com. We'll be at the Parlor Live uh, next weekend, the Punchline San Fran, and uh, in Montreal with these guys. Maybe going to steak dinners. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, yeah we'll, we'll cool. For sure. Uh, Brad, go see the heat. Yeah. The, the movie The Heat, which made $40 million in its opening weekend. Congratulations, Thank Adam you. Ray. Uh, BradWilliamsComedy.com Go follow me on Twitter at FunnyBrad uh, later in July uh, like we said I'll be at the Montreal Comedy Festival uh, August 2nd to the 3rd at Hyenas in Fort Worth, Texas August 8th to the 11th at the Improv in Kansas City, Missouri Bobby! for Bobby Slayton Adam Ray I'm Brad Williams please try to remember our names in the morning If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.